Not going to be all snow. A wintry mix is forecast for the listening area. Episode 19, welcome to Wintry Mix. My name is Alex Kaufman, and this week we are back in the studios of Vermont Public Radio, which also brings Megan back. How's it going, Megan? Hi, good. How's life as an intern slash college student? Very busy. Yeah, I bet. You're taking a lot of credits, aren't you? 19, yeah. Oh my gosh. All right, well, today's episode, we're going to be chatting with Mahala Farah, who uh, attended the 88, 92, and 94 Olympic Games as a racer, uh, ski racer, Alpine events representing the nation of Romania. So, uh, Megan, what do you have about Romania to help us get ready? Okay, so if you didn't know, Romania's in Europe, guys. Um, It has the largest population of brown bears in Europe, as well as their currency is in lieu, which means lion, so they basically pay for stuff in lions. I will give you five lions for this cheeseburger. Twelve lions for that bowl of salad, please. Like That's cool. Let's ask about that. What else? Um... They're the richest country in gold in Europe. So, like, they have like a gold museum that's everything's gold, and like they're all about their like wealth of gold. Nice. And then um, their average snowfall per year is 19 days. So, I was like looking at their weather patterns, and they pretty much like have it the same as like the United States. They got a spring, they got a summer. The mountains look pretty impressive. Yeah. I was looking at some pictures, and there's some where they just got dumped on some years. Nice. Well, let's ask Mahela Farah more about that here in a moment on Wintry Mix. Stay with us. This episode of Wintry Mix is supported by Ski Vermont. Get to SkiVermont.com for the latest details on conditions and upcoming events at downhill and cross-country ski centers across the Green Mountain State. And did you know that you can win prizes just for hitting the slopes? Download the Trace Snow app to participate in Ski Vermont's Check-In to Win campaign. Skip the airline hassles, folks. The month of March in Vermont combines historically strong snowfall with comfortable temperatures. Get to SkiVermont.com and start planning your winter adventure today. All right, we are back here on Wintry Mix, and on the line is Mahela Farah. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, short is Mickey, right? You go by Mickey? Yes, I go by Mickey. And where are you right now when, when we're talking to you? Uh, right now, I, uh, I just finished my training session, my race team um, at Bretton Woods Ski Area, New Hampshire. Nice. So we're talking to you from Bretton Woods, but you are not... Uh, born and raised at Bretton Woods, you're from Romania. Can you introduce us to basically just the country of Romania? Uh, sure. Romania is um, one of the only Romance-language-speaking uh, countries in the Eastern Bloc, Eastern European. And um, it's a beautiful country. It's got the Carpathians right in the middle, going, um, making an L right in the middle of the country. Actually, more the region where I grew up is called Transylvania. A lot of people ask me if I'm growing fangs, if I'm a vampire or something like that. But um, my hometown is called Sibiu, uh, S-I-B-I-U, which is a beautiful town surrounded by mountains. Do we know why Americans associate Transylvania with scary things? (laughs) 
Um, no, no. Uh, I mean, we we do have a you know some historic fig- figures that um, were pretty um, rough and and bloody, but um, other than that, I think it's um, it's a good myth, and um, I guess we capitalize on it nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> so the the Carpathian Mountains you mentioned, um, describe those those to to me. I mean, are those more like uh, the Appalachians or the Rocky Mountains or something in between? I mean, what do they look like? Um, the Carpathian Mountains, if you think about, if you know, uh, if you've been to Europe, you you know the Alps. I would compare them as a continuation of the Alps chain, but they're lower. And uh, they could have some majestic peaks. I look. I'm looking out the windows here. You know, like in Bretton Woods, I feel pretty much at home. Uh, if someone was going there to actually ski, uh, are there are a lot of resorts, or is it is it popular or not so much? What's the what's the ski background in the nation? The skiing is really popular. I, I mean, for vacationers, it's uh, a lot of British people go over, Belgian people go over to ski. We have some beautiful cultural cities there. Uh, Brashov is one of them. That's where I went to university. You have the city at the bottom of the mountain, and then 20 minutes up, it's uh, a great, great resort that has maybe a couple of, uh, one tram, a couple of gondolas. Uh, so it's a it's a pretty big resort. And then coming up from the capital, the road cuts through the mountains. You have Sinaya, which is, you know, really high, higher up elevation. It's kind of like here. It's some um, it's moderate. We have snow in the winter and uh, nowadays I believe they started making some snow too in the in the old country. And and the highest peaks are approximately how high? Ski close to 26 uh 2600 me- uh, meters up. I mean, it's it's pretty high. So that's like 7000 8000 feet sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Nice. So you were on the Romanian ski team um, in the 80s and 90s. Uh, what was the scope of that team? I mean, what, what if someone was uh, asked to describe the Romanian ski team, I mean, did you have a lot of support? I have to say I kind of consider myself one of the lucky ones because um, there are not many kids in the team. I was one of the youngest ones, so I was looking up to my older teammates, which not many of them made it to the Olympics. I was one of the few that um, represented Romania in the Olympics. Uh, one of them, I was by myself, and a couple, I had one other or two other uh, boys uh, or another girl joining me. Um, so I was pretty much alone at the Olympics, but I did have a support team when I was back in Romania. What got you on snow for the first time? Was it, was it your family or something else? For the first time, it was my family. My parents were both phys ed teachers. The funny thing is they don't ski, but they used to take all the school kids up in ski camps, and they would teach them how to ski. You know, being phys ed teachers, they knew all the pedagogy and all, all that. And then they would send them to the ski slope. My mom and dad said, well, you have to learn the proper way. So they took me to this club and enrolled me and I got a coach and I got some skis and off I went to a ski camp. And uh, I don't think they saw me race until I was probably in the national team because I was off 
to a different part of the mountain <laughs> always. <laughs> you got to um, participate in three different Olympic Games. Um, yes. I think it, you mentioned it was it was Calgary was 88, um, 92. Was that Lillehammer or was that Albertville? That was Albertville, and then 94 was Lillehammer. If you had to pick one that you, uh, you know, remember the most, enjoyed the most, which one would it have been? I think uh, Calgary was my first one. I was 18. And I was, my eyes were big, and it was the first time I was on an airplane. And the first time I had a GS suit and, or downhill suit. And I would have to say that experience was one of the most amazing. And we were under communists as well, so that, was, that made it more exciting also. So, so for, from, <laughs> t- to speak to that from kind of a societal standpoint, what was it like to to leave Romania, uh, you know, and go across the ocean to be in a, a completely different, you know, political climate. It was great. We, um, uh, it was just myself and a coach, uh, but we had a, a good team. Um, there were other teammates from other sports, like we had a bobsled team and, uh, you know, ice skaters and all that. So I got to meet some bunch of kids um, from other sports, but... Uh, the fun thing was, um, you know, I did a few um, so-called illegal things because we were pretty much drilled not to talk to people, not to receive anything from other supporters, or, and I, I did just the opposite. So, so what did you do that was against the rules that, that no one would care about nowadays, but back then was against the rules? <laughs> Well, I, I I received gifts from the Romanian community there in Calgary because it's it's a fairly big community. I even had a a meeting with with a family that proposed that they would help me escape from Romania, which I denied because I I wasn't ready at the time. So, um, so all of that was very exciting. I did a lot of things on my own because my coach didn't want to know where I was. He gave me the okay and the free freedom, but he didn't want to know anything about anything. <laughs> so so did, did traveling to those first games kind of change your outlook on the world at all? No, because I, I traveled before um, a lot with um, other coaches and other, like all over Europe before that. I did make a choice, a conscious choice um, to to do stay in the country because I had the opportunity to leave and, you know, make a life in Canada, for example. And um, I got really nervous because I knew what the consequences would be for my coach or my family back home. So I had to choose not to. So you remained in Romania uh, through 94, I, I would assume, through those next two Olympic Olympic Games. Uh, between the Olympics and then starting a family much later, you traveled all over the world teaching people to ski all over the place, didn't you? Yes, I did. I did. After I came to the U.S., I skied professionally for five years. Um, and then I started coaching, ski coaching at Loon Mountain. Then I had a small ski academy where, that I traveled to Europe, Austria, and France for um, for the year. And then I came back to the U.S. You know, after three Olympics and five years in the Pro Tour, you kind of try to figure out what next. After all that excitement, I, um, I did the, pretty much the unthinkable. I became a teacher. I've been in boarding schools teaching French and math, uh, for the last 11 years. 
And now I'm here at Bretton Woods going back to um, just coaching, skiing, and uh, taking care of my family. How many languages do you speak? I would say just Romanian and English, but I can get by in, you know, a little bit in French, and I can, I can order food and all. <laughs> I, I, I'll do okay in Italian because that's very close to Romanian, and I had a lot of German friends in my hometown. There's a little bit of everything. It's, it's inevitable when you live in Europe. Yeah, so, so Megan, before we got started, mentioned to me um, that the name of the currency in Romania is, I guess, loosely translated in English to the word lion, like, like the animal, yes. the lion. Is that true? Yes, <laughs> that is. So, so people are buying and selling things with, with lions. With lions, late, yes. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. And that, and that, what was it about the bears, Megan? Did we mention that before the um, interview? Yeah, brown bears have the largest population in Romania. Out of the entire Europe. All of Europe. You have the most brown bears, or Romania has the most brown bears of anywhere in Europe. Yeah. Got to meet them at every trash can and every, you know, around the hotels and when I was going to my jogs. and. So with the, with the bears then, you're in northern New Hampshire, you're in the White Mountains. More bears in the White Mountains or more bears in Romania? I mean more bears in Romania, although I we just moved here in Franconia and we bears are everywhere. Oh, yeah, but they're black bears in Franconia, but you had brown bears in Romania. Right. Gotcha, gotcha. I got it now. Um, so back to ski racing. Um, you've obviously been around ski racing for many decades. Um, you know, tell, me, tell, tell us a little bit about the evolution of the sport. I mean, what's changed since when you were training for the Olympics compared to, you know, some of the kids you're coaching now? And if they were to try to go to the next levels, you know, what, 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 is, what are some of the biggest differences? Well, I would say things change, but things stay the same, you know. I think kids are kids, and uh, I think the, one of the biggest changes is in equipment. It took me two years to change from straight skis to shape skis, and I have to say that was the biggest revolution in skiing because a lot of people enjoy a carving turn, which is great, I, I think. Coaching the kids these days, uh, I don't believe it's any different um, I don't know if we were more resilient. Uh, our coach used to uh, make us hike the trail a lot more than I I ask my kids to do it these days. <laughs> Everything, it's uh, very convenient, uh, which it wasn't for us, but we didn't know any difference, so... Yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to. I guess bait you into saying that kids nowadays are lazy compared to how it was back in the day. But I mean, maybe that's not the case. I I don't believe so. I mean, I see kids that are very motivated to to uh, learn, and I think that's the number one driver for me. Uh, when I see a kid that's motivated, I just start becoming more creative with my coaching, and my my level goes up, and uh, I'm a better coach. And I don't think that changed. If if you told your kid to hike hike a race trail right now, would they do it? Um, a few of them might, yeah. That's good. All right. <laughs> Not all of them. <laughs> but, uh... How often do you uh, tune your equipment? Uh, my own equipment, not very often. But we had some icy conditions, so this winter more than more than ever i do tune my personal kids skis and we ask everyone to come to training prepared and with sharp edges otherwise it's hard to ask them to angle their skis and they won't hold no matter what so so i had my first summer this year where i was coaching my my 5 year old's little soccer team but i have to assume that 
uh, dealing with ski racer parents from your perspective um, is a little bit more involved. I mean, what, what's the dynamic like between you have your kids that you're coaching um, and then maybe the expectations of the parents and trying to keep everybody happy in that? It's hard to keep everyone happy, but I think what, what I'm trying to do is do the right thing. I have a lot of experience in ski racing and, and, and coaching now. I've uh, been coaching for almost 20 years. Parents get nervous, then they transfer it to their kids, and their kids get nervous. So you just have to educate both parents and the kids about what's right, about the timing of things. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's all a learning process. And new parents come in, and then you have to do it all over again. You can't be tired of it. Has the growth of kind of freestyle uh, disciplines impacted the, the, the crop of, uh, of racers that, that, that are, you know, kids that are interested in racing or, or, or not so much? No, I don't believe so. I mean, it's, it's up to me. It's very exciting that there are two different sports. I've, I'm hoping that that brings more to the sport on, you know, kids on skis you have more could be good skiers in basketball teams thinking of better athletes in basketball teams because we're not attracting kids to the mountains so to me it's very exciting you know border cross skier cross freestyle anything to bring the people to the mountain and enjoy enjoy the snow my my son my seven-year-old he just wants to jump he if there's a flat mountain, he'll find bumps anywhere. What do you think ski racing is teaching kids other than actual racing? You know, perseverance uh, builds character, understanding your limits and pushing through them and be okay with it. Uh, you know, dealing with frustration. It's all teaching life, really, <laughs> everything that you need to know about yourself. All right, we're going to finish this up uh, on a fun yeah. note. Uh, I'm going to start a few sentences for you, and you can finish them for me, okay? Okay. All right. Bodie Miller is? The great skier. The nation that will win the most medals in Alpine in the next Olympics will be? Um, not Romania. <laughs> you still hope to travel to? Africa. And if you'd never started skiing, you'd be? A figure skater. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Mickey, that was really fun. We really appreciate the time. Oh, good. I'm glad. Thank you so much. Yeah, and, and good luck with the uh, with the racer kids and the racer parents up there at Bretton Woods. Oh, thank you very much. All right, thanks a lot. All right, bye-bye. Well then, being 18 years old from Romania at a time when it was under uh, a communist structure, arriving in Canada and having offers to stay there, that's kind of a, an amazing situation to think about being in. I don't know what I'd do. That's pretty heavy. Well, she obviously went back to Romania, obviously had her family there, um, and then continued to ski for Romania for a number of years, yeah. um, and then ended up coming to the United States at a later date and coaching kids. Uh, so that was Mickey Farah uh, as part of episode 19 here on Wintry Mix. Very enlightening look at what it's like to race alpine events for an eastern block nation of Europe during the late 80s and early 90s. And we thank her very much for her time. And you can actually uh, have her coach your kids if you want, if you want to go across the uh, Connecticut River over to Bretton Woods. And um, she's likely one of the folks that will help your kids learn how to race faster. You want to do that, Megan? Did you ever race or you've always been freestyle? I've always been a freestyle, but I must say as a freestyle coach, it is the dream to get a kid who started out racing 
and then like goes to freestyle. Oh, because they're better at it. Yeah, because they can actually ski rather than some kid who's just like skiing with his parents. And like his parents are just telling them they're good, like no matter what. Yeah, but, it like, gives them the fundamentals. Yeah, definitely. I'd say if you have a kid, put him in the racing program, despite if they want to start freestyle young and then move it back over. Well, that makes a lot of sense. That was episode 19 of Wintry Mix. My name is Alex Goffman. We have production assistance from Angela Evansy. Our theme music is by Adam Levy, and thanks for Megan Elmaker, the intern, for swinging back into the studio. It's good to see you again, Megan. Always a pleasure. And folks, if you want to help us out, you can give us a rating or review on iTunes. It helps folks find the podcast, and we really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you on number 20. Sorry. It's okay. There we go. Three, two...